This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. The Ferris State Bulldogs have upset the nation's number two ranked team. Wide open! Taylor is going to take this one to the house! Touchdown Bulldogs! It's the MVSP Season 4, Episode 57. I'm Joe. Now you join as always with my brother Brandon Worth. Brandon, it's going to be a good day. we got a great show. All the meat and potatoes coming at you. All the meat and potatoes and all the other appetizers as well. Caitlin Orm from Fair State Softball stopped by the show talking about their season under new coach. And obviously, a good step forward so far. We'll talk all about that as well as the Fair State Sports Report, including a golf trophy acquired this weekend. We'll break that down as well. As the NFL draft is coming up on Thursday. Big time stuff going on. We're going through our mini mock. Not all the first round, but top 10. Then we'll get to some of our players to watch and picks to watch out for here to finish out the show on Thursday. But, I mean, we got some great, great stuff to get to here today. Mm -hmm. And it just feels like one of those great days. You know, the sun's shining. We need a little bit more. It wasn't terrible out. I mean, I went golfing this weekend, and it was... I don't know, 45. Yeah. And like kind of rainy. And I was just like, ah, oh. because when I booked the tea time, it was like, I booked it for three 30 and the rain said it was going to stop at two. So I was like, perfect. It'll be a little bit sunny. Like I'll be fine. Like it'll be good. And then the rain kept going back and back and it wasn't going to finish till five. So luckily I was only doing nine and like near like the fourth hole, it kind of cleared up. My hands were starting to get freezing. Like my hands were slipping uh, on my clubs and stuff. So I didn't shoot very well. I didn't really keep track after the last like five holes. Cause I went bogey, bogey, par, to start off, and then I got a double, a double, and I was like, eh, "Yeah, I'm not gonna pay attention no more." Yeah, it's a practice round. Ed, did you do any uh, slip club activity? You know, when too wet throws the club down the fairway. No, but I was drifting the cart around. Okay, that's fair. That is <laughs> that's fair. That's for one thing. That is a weather dependent activity. I know. Yeah, you, you took can't, advantage. You can't of drift it. it. I was, I was whipping it. You know, it that's was true. Uh, it was fun. Good thing the marshal wasn't out that day because I probably got. I wasn't tearing up the cores or anything. It was a good no, time. no, no, no. No, so speaking of which, driving Talladega, what a finish that was. I Kyle Busch got that, the win. You. you didn't watch it? Nope. Oh, that's fair. I only watched the last 12 laps, which is the only really exciting part that happens some of the times. I know Brendan Sanders is probably listening out there and just going to give me an earful about that if he listens <laughs> to this, but I'll take it for what it's exactly. granted. It was a pretty crazy ending. Those dump and runs, man, at the very end, it's kind of crazy. That's bake it. Yeah, shake it before you bake it. Ricky Bobby actually finished. I watched that movie as well this weekend. So Did you really? Nice. Yeah. We watched that down on the way to Bucknell, and it was yeah. it was a classic. So you know what I think we should do? You know what we should do? Stop rambling, and then we should get into the interview. That's probably a good idea. So without further ado, let's lead to the interview. Now joining us in studio, Fair State softball player Kaylin Ormstop. Bye, Kaylin. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for having me. Kaylin, thanks again for coming on the show. Really appreciate you uh, taking time out of your day. I mean, last weekend got the split against Wisconsin Parkside and Purdue Northwest. Uh, just walk us through those two games. Yeah, we knew that the uh, this weekend was going to be a big weekend in the Blue Axe. We knew we had to at least try to get all four, but we happened to get two, which was really good for us. And um, when we were playing against Parkside, we came out swinging the bats well. We knew that it was going to be a gritty game because it was actually their senior day. So it was kind of a big deal to get two games on their senior day. So that was exciting for us to kind of wreck their senior day, even though that's not very good to say. But That's big time. Yeah, we were happy to do that. <laughs> and then we came out – Swinging the bats well, our pitchers were on, our defense was stellar, we had some great plays, and then we traveled the next day over to Purdue Northwest, and we dropped two against them, but we came out swinging the bats really well. We knew what our goal was, was to get two from them, 
and we just happened to drop both in on Sunday. Yeah, and especially when you just mentioned kind of going from one venue to the next, especially, I mean, you guys do that quite a bit here in the GLIAC schedule, especially if you have to go uh, across the pond or go down south. What is that like when you're playing at one venue on Saturday, then you have to move and then go play at another way venue then on the next day? Um, We definitely think, I personally think of it like a business trip. So when you're on the road, it's a business trip and you want to go meet some people in their houses and in front of their hometown fans. So we got to do that at Parkside and we drop two events. Yeah. What's uh, what's usually go to to kind of, you know, stay loose on the bus. Is it more just focus all the time? Or you kind of more like relaxed and stuff like that. So we actually took the van. So we did, we traveled 20 girls. So it was 10 and 10 in each van. Oh. So I know oh, it's very oh, good. It's, oh, brother. It, that's miserable. It's not that bad. It's a lot of like team bonding and talking and like playing music. Kylie Winkles is our DJ in our van. So it's okay. a lot of like hype up music and just I was say, what's chatting. on the playlist with that one? Um, that's confidential. Oh, okay. I understand. I understand. Can we get yeah. a genre? Yeah. It's definitely like rap. Okay. And uh, sometimes we have the country bands in the car, so we have to listen to a few country songs just to get them going too. But we definitely have a lot of fun. There's a lot of singing and yeah, and it's especially yeah, you bring out music, and I actually was helping work with uh, some of the uh, the audio engineers, getting all of your guys' walk up songs in there. And I noticed your pick, uh, "Sleeping on the Blacktop." Yeah, that is an absolute banger, first of all. But really, kind of the question going with that. Obviously, baseball, softball players all have their own taste. What made you pick your walk up song, and what kind of goes through that process of like, here, this is what I want out of the song. And I'm walking up to the plate, I rip at. So it's actually very interesting. I will say that I'm not a music person but I can also listen to any type of music. And uh, my boyfriend, my current boyfriend, he is a big country artist music. So he got me into that. And I was just like, I really like the song. Like, would it be silly to do that? And then I was asking like some of my roommates and teammates and they're like, no, that's a great song. And actually like when I'm up at the plate, it actually like, gets me really hype. And it's just like, okay, it's just like relaxing, like makes me think of summer, makes me think of like happy times. And that's definitely like what I think of when I go up to the plate because you have to be confident yet relaxed at the same time. So that's something that I do. I just think of the happy moments and that softball is just a game at the end of the day that there's yeah. always good things outside. The uh, field. Absolutely. Is there, cause I know some teams, they do like a, like a rookie hazing type thing where they don't get to choose their walk-up song. It's a little <laughs> bit like just a goofy one. Have you guys kind of done that with walk-up songs? Cause I know there's some, I've heard some funny ones in there, but I think Lil Einstein's was in there when yeah. I checked yes. at one so point. So it is part of being a freshman. You obviously have a lot of work that you have to do outside of the field where you have to pick up stuff. You have to pick up after teammates. So that is part of uh, something that we do is we say, we're going to pick your songs. It's trying to make you laugh, trying to make you feel loose when you go up there, because as a freshman, it is very hard to like play with girls who are older than you because the youngest girl on our team is 18 and I'm the oldest and there's 23. So other teams are like that too. So we're just like, you're going to have fun. We're going to pick your song to make you laugh and have a good time when you're playing. For sure. Absolutely. And especially for the way the season has gone so far, you individually have batted really well. I think 326 when I last checked, 474 slugging. What do you think has really been uh, the key contributor of really excelling with the bat this year, especially with extra base hits? Yeah. So this year, I, I'm a fifth year. So I was just like, I need to come and show the younger girls how it's done. And I've actually been working a lot on the mental side of the game. So uh, Coach Shu has actually uh, given us videos to watch. So when I go up to the plate, I take a deep breath, and then I look at the left field foul pole, 
and I say three positive like affirmations to myself. So my three positive affirmations to myself is I am confident, I am a leader, and I'm a great softball player. And those are the only things that I think about when I'm up at the plate. And I just think about that. I take a deep breath in, step in, and I look at the pitcher and I'm like, I'm going to beat you today. And that's all that you have to think. And if it doesn't go that way, you continue that in the next at bat. And you just look at her and say, you're not going to get me twice. And if you get me twice, you're not going to get me a third time if you get the chance. So that's definitely what I think of when I go up to the plate. Yeah, just, yeah that's awesome. That confidence is going to be so key too. And especially uh, talking about Coach Chu, I mean, what's been the biggest difference for you? Because, I mean, you spent, was it two to three years with Coach James? I mean, what's that kind of like being able to have these two different coaching staffs uh, and being able to kind of develop under both of them? Yeah, so I was recruited by uh, Kristen, Kristen Janes and um, got the opportunity to play under her, learned a lot, and then got Coach Shu for my fifth and final year, which was really exciting for me because I was just like, maybe he's going to bring something new to the table, and he obviously did because we're like having so much fun out there, a lot of laughing, a lot of like giggling on the field, which is always good for us. Um, I grew up with very similar coaches to Coach Shu, and he was definitely the same coaching style that I've been like looking for and was like, yeah, like, let's go definitely on the same page with his play styles, which is very aggressive. And I like that on the base pass and yeah. And his hitting philosophy is very similar to mine. So it's very nice that we're like on the same page with that. And like, if he has um, actually at Parkside, this is a funny story. I'm going to segue off a second at at Parkside. This pitcher was pitching all outside to me. He was just like, scooch up. I'm doing a hand gesture right now. He's like, scooch up on the plate. And then as soon as I did that, I hit a ball to the left side and he's like, see, that's all you got to do. And it was just funny because I was just like, huh. Yep. Simple as that. Simple as that. And I knew exactly what he was saying and we were on the same page. So that's just an example of how we're on the same page. That's great. And kind of going back a little bit, obviously you stand out at Granville that got you in the recruiting process that led you here to Ferris State. Uh, what made you choose softball, first of all? And then what were some of those key things that really were in the recruiting process that brought you here to Big Rapids? Yeah. So I was always told, love the school, softball's a bonus. So I always kept that in mind whenever I would go on visits. So I came on a visit. Actually, I came to a camp at Ferris. So I came to a camp. Um, came to a camp and did a tour of the campus. And once I did the tour of campus, I'm like, I really like this place. And I always say, it's like, when you try in a wedding dress, everybody says, you know, when you know, you know, that's how I felt when coming mm. to Paris is I knew that it was like my home. I loved it. If I had a career ending injury, I knew that I was going to love the school. And that's what made me choose Ferris is I love the campus. I love the smallness to it because at Granville, it's like kind of a city vibe and just coming to Ferris was just like, yep, this is home. I can see myself spending four years here. Yeah. That's such an important element too. I don't think a lot of people realize in the recruiting process at the end of the day, you're going for school, but you're also playing sports. So there's two way Avenue there. Yeah. And for the team kind of battling the elements these past few weeks, especially at home. I mean, for you guys always, what is it? Two games that got postponed against Grand Valley. I mean, when you're in that kind of zone and then the game gets postponed, you know, what's kind of the the thought process for the team? Is it just focus on the next game for whoever it might be? Or is that kind of in the back of your mind for returning to, against, I mean, especially Grand Valley? Yeah. So when games get canceled, it's obviously, it's annoying in my opinion, because you're like, man, I really wanted to get them today. So when that happens, the games get canceled and then you move on to the next team, but you're always thinking about what's going to be happening on the next, but coach always says one pitch at a time. That's like our biggest thing. Get on the field, take it one pitch at a time. Don't focus on anything else. One pitch. That's 
a huge thing right now for our team. Sure. Yeah. And when you guys, especially, uh, I know, especially like my, my career in high school and whatever, like when you get the, the call that, uh, games are eventually going to be canceled. Uh, do you guys still like to try to get practice in as much as you can, obviously with the indoor facility we have, or what's kind of the, or you just kind of like take the day off a little bit, relax a little bit. What's kind of that process? Like when you have these rain delays, cause obviously it's up to mother nature a lot of the times. And she is very cruel oftentimes. Than yeah, not. She is very cruel in Michigan, especially in the springtime for softball. So we played Saginaw and if the games got canceled, a doubleheader got canceled. So we actually drove home got on the vans and then we practice. It was just a normal practice day. And then when we, our games got canceled against GV, since we already warmed up, went hitting, we were good for the day. So we just got to go home and relax and get catch up on some homework. Okay. There you go. So yeah. a little bit, just depending on where it's yeah, at it's when it's all canceled. Situ- yeah. It's all situational and depending on how bad it is. Like if it's bad in Grand Ra- or big rapids and we're not going to, we'll go inside and just hit or like uh, loosen up and throw. Yeah. Just get a little bit of work in yeah. right on, right on. For sure. And Caitlin, thank you so much for coming on. Last question for you. We ask everybody on the show, what's been your favorite thing about being a Fair State Bulldog? The people. I just love the people that come out to the games, the athletes, the NARPs, as we call them, who just like <laughs> normal classmates. That's, That's you, That's Joe. Me. Yeah, That's sorry. <laughs> but, you're good. You're good. Yeah, just the people here at Ferris are some of the most unforgettable people that you'll ever meet. And definitely lifelong friendships are created here. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Keelan. Appreciate the time and wish you the best luck of weekend as well. Senior day on Friday. Yes. Very excited for that. And go dogs. Once again, big thanks to Caitlin for coming on the show. Always a great time to have Fair State athletes on and be able to get an insight on what it's like to be a student athlete here at Fair State, which is always super cool. But without further ado, let's hop right into the Fair State Sports Report. Going to start with softball, a little doubleheader action on the road. Brandon, what was up with that? Yeah, certainly you saw a really good performance Saturday. Got the split um, overall from that entire weekend, but we're able to sweep Parkside, a team that we knew we could beat going into this weekend. So just being able to put the hammer down on the road after falling to them at home, uh, definitely a really good comeback soundtrack. If that's the word that comes to mind. (laughs) Uh, but I think the biggest thing too, and even going into that Sunday game with Purdue Northwest, uh, I mean, you started to see, um, especially when you look at the comparison of the two games, uh, definitely two different pairings of games you could see over the two days. Offense uh, certainly carried over, uh, but yeah, just a little bit of uh, um, a couple errors on defensively on Sunday kind of prohibited some opportunities as well. Uh, it's just a couple, I think just when it came down to it, uh, you saw a little bit better on the base pads on Saturday as well, uh, able to steal a couple bags as well. Uh, but I think the the biggest thing, that really kind of came down to it was just pitching was really lights out on Saturday and, and Sunday Parkside just timed them up. Right. And that's just how it goes in the sport. And as you kind of look at it individually, uh, Purdue just kind of found their groove a little bit, especially in that fifth inning of the first game. Cause really it was going in this game. We were up four, two and they hung a crooked number on in the bottom of the fifth. Oh geez. Nine straight. That's a that's t- tough, man. that's a tough thing to, to really deal with in that situation. So really you take away that as well. We were up or I believe we were tied, I believe as well. And then we ended up losing in the bottom of the sixth. Um, Once again, another crooked number. That's this, what this team has been. And I know we kind of just, we've talked about it on previous shows as well as like this team. I mean, our, our overall record right now, 20 and 30, but we could easily be 500 or even higher. There's just always been, there's one inning 
uh, kind of lose focus. Teams get on a little bit of a run. We're just not able to stop the bleeding in time and unfortunately get the loss. And that's just really been the team um, that we've seen this year. And that's not discrediting anything. I mean, there's some of these opponents have really stepped up in the biggest moments. But I mean, that just shows you like we are in with all of these teams and we are having opportunities to win games, which is a great thing here in year one with new head coach Jake Schumann. Yeah, for sure. And the tough part, too, is when you uh, when you play so solidly throughout their whole game and then just one of those later innings, like fifth, sixth, or seventh, where you give up a lot of those runs, it's a big momentum killer, especially in game one, to be able to have that or to be able to, you know, push that uh, and try to, you know, come back from that in game two. You do are able to play really well, but then once again, you know, with a sixth inning kind of hanging that number up, it's always a tough one, especially when you go into a game uh, like that where you want to be able to get uh, – a full weekend sweep because I mean, when you go back to when they came here, we lost to Wisconsin Parkside, but we beat New- Purdue Northwest. So it was kind of a little bit of a flip flop, but I think it's going to be interesting to see kind of how the team comes back, especially against Wayne state at the end of this weekend, or especially at the end of this week on Friday and then kind of closing out with Saginaw Valley and Grand Valley state for the rest of the season. But I think especially when you look at where we're able to be at after this Purdue Northwest game, it's more of just being able to see that, hey, we got up early. We were able to play really well. It was just one of those innings, one of a little hiccup that kind of tossed a wrench in there. And you can really look at that as a positive to see that we played really solid. It was just that one inning that kind of messed up. So negating that is going to be a big thing. But going into that, how are you going to be able to do that for next game to make sure that you just stay focused and be able to stay air free throughout that whole time? Yeah, and I think definitely a positive. I mean, obviously, we've talked about um, the hitting department has been where this team has really taken big strides. Or yeah, really a lot of, better than last year. Yeah, and played along with opponents. That's been the kind of the difference um, so far. And extra base hits were definitely notable this weekend. I mean, Halen Orm herself went deep in game one hey. of that Parkside series, as well as Brooklyn Verbeek. Uh, obviously, we see more home runs on the road. Yeah, as I was say, it's is cool. It's interesting to see how just everybody can hit home runs because our field is so huge. Right, exactly. But uh, I mean, you saw the you saw a lot of doubles, especially Kylie Winkles. I believe had three in those two uh, Parkside games, and then obviously Catherine O'Donohue um, got one in I believe game one of the Purdue Northwest series, um, as well as a couple others. Um, throughout the entire series, but I think you just really saw, you saw really good. I think you saw really good hitting over um, the spurt of the game. Uh, Obviously, I mean, we racked up 10 hits in that second Purdue Northwest game. We just couldn't get anybody across the plate. That was the really just the toughest thing to watch as you kind of followed this game along is we're getting on base. We're getting on base. We're getting on base couple outs, couple outs, and then now we're off into the field. No runs scored, and we're just fighting a dogfight down one nothing, and just can't quite get it back. And then the fourth inning, we obviously got one across, uh, but then really just could not get anybody across the plate, which is a really tough thing for a team to do, especially for how the way they were hitting during that game overall. But you take that as a learning experience. It's the process. You're going to be able to apply that um, in the next coming games, especially going to be back at home one more time, Wayne State on Friday. Um, that game, I believe, at 3 o'clock and 5 o'clock here coming up here for the really the finale of GLIAC play uh, just right around the corner of the GLIAC tournament in Sandusky. So going to have to figure out how to get runs across the plate the whole time. Being consistent, that's really all this team's missing. We're starting to really put all the pieces. We're finding all the little pieces that we need to be a championship caliber team in this conference. Just got to put them all into one game. I know that's really hard to say, but that's really what it is. We found a new thing that we can element within our game every single week, and then we just got to be able to apply them all at the same time, and we could win a chip. Putting that business together at the at the correct time is always the toughest part, especially kind of postseason because that's kind of when, you know, every team kind of gets right into the nitty-gritty of it. And then you actually, you know, everybody's trying to 
take all the best that they've seen from this season and compile it into one. And that's the best part about postseason is you get everybody's best. And it's going to be interesting, especially. I think it, the Gleaks are actually in Rosemont this year. Oh, it's not in Sandusky? Yeah. I was not yeah, alerted to that. My bad, no everybody. Problem, My bad. Hey, it's okay. I just got to keep your toes. Where is Rosemont? No clue. Let me look that up for you. Put it on the Google, Google. Earth, you know. Rosemont, Illinois. Side note. Over the last couple of days, I've gotten, for some reason, in my social media feed, which you can also follow the show at the MVSP if you haven't already. Uh, James Plug. You know, like the um, like the the random finds on Google Earth where, like, just these people have spent, I don't even want to know how many hours yeah. on literally Google Earth, Google Maps, whatever, and they just find these random, like, monument things. Like, you know, like, you'll see them scrolling in the middle of the ocean, and there's just this giant shipwreck at the bottom that's got, like, uh, research towers within, and you're like, what? Where do you find this? Those have been on my timeline. How like, much time you got in your hands? Com- it's completely uh, insane. Rosemont looks to be about like 20 minutes or 30 minutes west of Chicago. Oh, okay, that's interesting. I'm is that so? Is that Rosemont College then that Rosemont, they're playing? I don't know. I actually don't know. Is it? Is it? No, because like, it wouldn't be Purdue Northwest, would it? No, that's Hammond. That's Hammond, Indiana. I don't know why they're in Rosemont, to be honest. What? I don't know. That's also the, why were they in Sandusky? Like, I think it's cool that you're playing over there, but like, what what drew you to do Sandusky? I don't know. What is in Rosemont, Illinois? It is is a resort. That's cool. They're playing at a resort? No, I said there is one. I don't know if they're playing at it. Oh, I mean, that's pretty much kind of why Sandusky was kind of picked in that sense, because they were playing at that resort over there, right? I don't know. That would make sense. I don't know. Now we got more questions than we have answers. Well, and I don't you are like going that. to it. I looked up 10 fun things to do in Rosemont, April 2023. Oh, so. let's hear them. Uh, you got sightseeing. Everything's in Chicago. Everything you can do is in <laughs> Chicago. There's nothing <laughs> to do in Rosemont. That makes sense. Yep. You can go to Blue Man Group Chicago, $72 per ticket. What? 72 Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Private helicopter tour for $849 per ticket. Whoa. That's wild. That is wild. That's just crazy to me. Like we have all of these abilities to go out and like see all of these different events. It's expensive, but it is expensive. It's so it's so annoying sometimes. But go see the bean. That is true. Have seen the bean a couple of times. I have too. Yeah, over on the Navy Pier as well. I've actually never been on Navy Pier. Never been on the Navy Pier. Wow. You should go to. Been in Shed Aquarium though. That place. Shed is great. That was my childhood dream. Shed Shed Aquarium Aquarium. is sick. You could see all the sharks and stuff. Oh, it's yeah, so fun. Anyway, let's get back on track. <laughs> I was we just say we, we are rambling today. We are a sports show, but we do be rambling. But today. we do like to cover everything else because that's fun, you know. Uh, anyway, moving on over, let's talk. Let's talk some championships. Yeah, what's up, man? What's up? Women's golf, big time, huge. Got it done. Obviously, got a favorable draw uh, against Saginaw Valley, thanks to the Cardinals uh, for taking down the top seed. But I think the the biggest thing when you looked at this, staying resilient staying gritty, staying after it. And I mean, this group really, really worked hard to get through it. I mean, beat Grand Valley State in the semis 4-1 and obviously taking it down to the wire to the last pairing. Lane Eldridge shuts the door on the Cardinals 3-2 victory. Uh, I mean, that's just a fantastic, fantastic finish to to a great season. So I, I just really can't say enough good things about how well this team fought throughout the entirety of this tournament because when you looked at how really a lot of these other teams were playing. We knew we were right there the whole time. And obviously we had gotten a little bit of passive looks from the rankings committees and all these other uh, mm-hmm. analysts probably, probably going to be saying, yeah, probably looking at Saginaw Valley, probably looking at Grand Valley potentially as a team that could spoil the number one seed. 
Uh, but I think you just, you looked at how they played. They stayed resilient the entire time. And I mean, even if they were down, fought their way back. And I think that just proves how gritty this team was. Because I mean, you look at some of these pairings, we were down early on in some of these pairings, right? Lizzie Anderson was down after the first hole, first couple of holes, then brought it right back to a tie and then absolutely ran with it. And we ended up to held on to that one as well. So I think when you look at that, especially, and I mean, Elena Eldred in the final pairing, she was down after five holes as well, but she really put a charge in those last couple of holes. And I think that just kind of shows you like, even though we started out a little bit slower, we were able to keep with the pace and then when we had the opportunity, that was the biggest thing. When we had the opportunity to get on top in that match play, we took it when we took it quick. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing when you saw from this tournament was we had an opportunity. We had a hole where we were able to take advantage. I know, uh, especially when you looked at um, the third pairing, uh, I mean, when you went into that fourth hole, there was an opportunity there for Cameron Shannon to get a birdie and get on top in that match. And that's exactly what she did. And she was able to hold that out. I had a couple of little bit of a fight back there from the Cardinals on 10, uh, but then was able to hold that one or really kind of hold that one out for a majority of it uh, as well. I think you saw that, especially not, e- especially not even from uh, like necessarily um, the two pairings that won, you still saw that fight back. And even though they didn't come out on top, they really put the pressure on and that can always stack up over those next couple holes, especially because I mean, obviously we talked to coach Stark um, over the last couple uh, episodes ago, shout out to him as well for being a champion coach. I mean, that's freaking awesome. Yeah. Uh, shout out, shout out. But Woo! the biggest thing I think when it comes down to it is obviously you're on different holes at the same time. I know you touched, especially on this Joe, the momentum that you're able to get from your teammates it might not necessarily be right in front of your eyes, but when you can, you're obviously getting information all the time during this tournament. Obviously the players are going to play, but obviously when you see where some of your teammates are at and obviously you're getting some of that information in, obviously whatever you take from it, you can take from it. But the biggest thing is you can feel that sense of momentum a little bit. And I think that was the biggest thing was staying in attack mode the entire time, still trying to get birdies on every hole but even when you when you feel that, when you hear that, oh, we got one pairing in already. Now we're up 1-0. Now we're up 2-1. Like, hey, we're looking here at a potential opportunity. But in this case, I mean, we we're down 2-1 going into the final two pairings. But obviously, we've had our final, our best two play their best golf in the finale to end up winning it. So just getting that championship, showing so that resiliency. And even though necessarily we didn't sweep 5-0, all five players took their opportunities like to really try to solid. win that match. Four out of five shot sub-80. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing you can draw from this tournament. Yeah, rocking that fourth uh, title of the Gliac in, uh, that we've ever gotten. We won in 2008, 07, and 03. Uh, so that's really cool to see another one. First one that we've won in what? What is that? What's 2023 minus 2008? Uh That'll be about 15? fifteen. Last time I Dang. checked, I haven't done math in a while. Years. Though, yeah, that's wild. But to see just our our everybody shot really really well, and that's a really good thing about it. Is some of our five four spot that was where we had our best golf being played. Um, and you know to be able to see that this late in the season to be able to see you know our not even really because that's the thing about it, especially when Coach Stark came on. It's not he was saying how it's not it's not to be able to you know have it where 
you're down by five shots. It's each golfer is down by one. To be able to have that mentality going into it, it's going to take a lot of stress off. And we saw that now because we had so many of us shoot that sub 80 to be able to be where you're going to be putting up such a hard fight for the other team to come back from. When you're putting up 73, 74, 75, even 70 is, that's a really tough thing. They really tough, uh, spot to hit for opposing uh, for opposing squads. So for us to be able to put that up, especially in a GLIAC play, especially with pressure like that where it's in the championship, and to be able to claim the fourth one is pretty huge for the program. Absolutely huge, and certainly some great results from women's golf. Hey, congratulations, you guys. Let's go. Our GLIAC champions. That's a round of applause. Well-deserved. Always love to have champions at Ferris State. That's what we like to see, man. Like, Keeping it going is really what it Keep is. Keep it going, yeah. I think I believe read in the uh, the recap here um, that this is the fifth uh, conference crown that we have had um, overall for the program. Uh, and I think there was, this is the craziest step, prior to this year, GV had won 13 last 14. That's wild, And we took man. them out to win. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty freaking cool if you ask that's me. Crazy. So uh, anyway, always anchor down because, you know. That's true. Yeah, that's, gotta let them know. That's what you gotta know when you you're in the Big Rapids. So. Gotta let them know. Anyway, moving forward now, <laughs> through the Ferris State Sports Report, men's tennis, GLIAC tournament action. Really good performance on Saturday in the semifinal. Ultimately ran into one of the best teams in the nation in the final, Wayne State. Took us down in the GLIAC tournament match. But, I mean, when you looked at this team, you knew that Wayne State was going to be pretty much a dogfight. And we had saw that in the regular season. Uh, but at the end of the day, they got one of the best players in the nation, Cedric Drenth, as well as Daniel Gray, one of the best pairings with Cedric Drenth in the nation. But, I mean, we played well, just couldn't quite hang on with that team. Uh, but I think you still got to be proud of the effort, and you still got to be proud of what this team did all season long because it was well-deserved, the fact that they were regular season champs, and that's what they were being remembered for. They just ran into the next best team that was playing some of their best tennis at the right time. Yeah, and that's the tough part, too, because even – uh, when we saw the first uh, game of Gleak or the first matches of Gleak play against Wayne State for both men and women, because they did the big sweep of getting both of those for the Gleak championship. That's always a tough thing to see because you knew that you were going to be seeing them later in the season. I, I think I even said it after I was like, this is probably going to be a preview of the Gleak championship after the tournament, which I did. I called that. You did call Just that. Just want that on the record. Just want that on the record. You did call um, but to be able to see that we played pretty solidly against them and to be able to get to that point, Wayne State was one of the favorites to be able to kind of make a run again, and not even in just the GLIAC championship, but in the national championship tournament as well. You know, they were playing really, really solidly throughout this whole season. Uh, just, I think our their loss to us was the only kind of blemish on their season for the past, I think it was like 15 or so matches. So you knew that they were going to go into it, but I mean, it was a really tough match, but to be able to go into it and to be able to, you know, try to be able to match them a little bit was always going to be a tough task. Uh, but I feel like there's still probably a chance for us to get a bid, you know? Oh, I think there's definitely a really good yeah, chance, a chance we get a bid. I think when you look at how, obviously, we looked at the rankings a little bit on Wildstat Wednesday a little bit ago, uh, there's a lot of teams, especially um, on the West Coast, I noticed, especially in the national rankings. Uh, as far as the Midwest is concerned, I think if I remember correctly, it's a little bit lighter than necessarily some of the other regions. So I think there's a really good chance we get in. Plus, I mean, it would be crazy for me to see this team. It would be crazy to not see them not get in. 
I mean, for how well they play, the dominance that they've shown, especially against other tough regional teams. Remember, we had to play teams like Tiffin earlier this year that are also nationally ranked, as well as beating Wayne State earlier on the season. That can't just be neglected because they beat us in the tournament. Obviously, that one probably takes a little bit more presence over that regular season win, but we still beat them, and we can prove that we have beaten some of these best teams in the region. So uh, I think that there's definitely a chance that we could get in. And I'm sure Coach Doran is obviously going to be probably crunching all the numbers to try to see uh, what the odds are. But I'm really hoping that this team gets in because I think they can make some noise, especially against some of these other teams because we've played some of our best matches as well. I mean, we were able to get some crucial wins this year against some of these tougher teams. I mean, obviously, we have the experience of going down to Florida, playing some of those really good teams. Palm Beach Atlantic, I remember, was in there. We played a team like St. Leo that is a national caliber uh, championship contender and really put up a pretty good fight down there in Orlando. So I think if you were the committee and you saw us and probably pushed us out, we're obviously biased, but uh, that would not be necessarily the thing that would make me very pleased to see a team like that be held out of the rankings that has mm-hmm. proven they can play with some of these big teams because we've seen plenty of teams in the tournament that make it that haven't necessarily played up to that national competition and, and really just flop right out in round one. And that's something you don't want to see in a tournament. Yeah, I was going to say, we're still a top 20 team right now. We are uh, at 19th right now. But when you kind of look at the standing so far, there's not really a whole lot of teams that I've seen in our region that are, you know, cracking that top 10. I mean, you got... Uh, you really only got University of Indianapolis, you got Wayne, and then you really only have Northwest Missouri State, but I don't even know if they're in our region for salt, for uh, tennis. Are they? Uh, I actually don't know. They could, I mean, it depends on how the draw the, the draws are because I know, like, even in, like, golf especially, like, the same regions aren't necessarily the same in men's versus women's. And I know, I'm not sure if that's necessarily the case in uh, golf as well as tennis, but I'm not, I'm not sure, but we can definitely... Uh, we'll definitely be looking forward. Tiffin is the other one. Yeah, I mean, that's Tiffin is definitely in ours, I would assume. Unless they're in the East? No, that, that could not be right. We're learning too, everybody. Don't <laughs> yeah. worry. We're figuring it out here say, for There's you. only four teams right now that I see really could maybe beat us out for the regional things. But other than that, I don't see anybody else because everything else is really down south. You got teams in Georgia. You got more Florida teams and stuff like that. We should get a bid. I don't know why we want to get a bid here. I couldn't imagine that. Again, obviously, it hasn't. They haven't released who's in the tournament yet, right? So it's all purely speculation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would assume that. I would assume we'd yeah. have to get in. Pretty much, like, yeah. I don't know why we're still what twelve and three. We're seven and one in the last eight games. Even more than that: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight and one in the last nine. Yeah, that's a pretty solid little. Resume to build up for this. That's what I mean, like dude. Google. We have the resume Selection to make it in the tournament. show division two men's tennis. tennis. We'll play some Jeopardy music in the background. I don't think it's loaded in the machine, though, unfortunately. I doubt it. Which is Which is unfortunate. But I don't know when it says. It's uh, very... I yeah, I just went on ITA, and they did not have it listed. Yeah, so I don't know when that is. but We it is need something. help. All of our tennis peoples, whether it's Parker, Yannick, Coach Storen, <laughs> somebody we need let us help. know. Somebody we need to know. know, and we'll make sure it is updated by Thursday uh, to let you know when the selection show is getting down and what are the chances that we get in. I hope that they're very good because this team has definitely proven, at least to my eyes, and obviously we're biased, but whatever, that's our show. And this championships are in Orlando, Florida. They are in Orlando, Florida, which is where we played earlier this year. Yeah, crazy. I know. There's Everything in the stars is lining up. Obviously, the conference championship would have been the icing on the cake, but, I mean, come on, man. We, we need to be playing in the national tournament. That's every all I got to say. Every, and, this is just a side note. 
Every time we hear stars align, I think about the song from The Greatest Showman when they, they're little kids and they're walking through. The <laughs> it's like, uh, I forget yes, I know. Stars yeah, I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's every time we hear that line, that's what I think about. That is pretty funny. I, I should probably stop because I don't want to get a copyright strike for how good my singing is. Yeah, we already have people on the phone just calling us. Hey, don't sing that song on airways. Even before we release this to the public. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we're getting calls left and we're right. We're getting calls left and right already. I mean, could you imagine, though? What? Just like we're, we're live recording a podcast, and then all of a sudden the phone rings. That's FBI level And it's, right it's just like CIA stuff. You're just like, what? what is going on right now? And you're like, ah, shut the Dude, show you're down. Light, you're, shut lightning down. Quick. you're lightning quick on the buttons. Today. I am lightning quick on the buttons. Anyway, lightning quick, you speak. Ah, I see your transition game. I Alloins. try to do that. Yeah, you did. Just don't. You, you were Keep professional, going. Keep going. You're Keep professional, going. Joe. Anyway. Al Owen Classic going to Grand Valley. Uh, meet was moved from Saturday to Friday uh, due to inclement weather possibilities. Yeah, we missed you at the spring game. Yeah, out. I know. It sucks. But I heard there was great things from there, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But overall, great performances from the weekend. A uh, lot of PRs, especially uh, in the distance departments, as well as some as well in the field and throwing departments as well. Uh, saw some really good events, I think, overall. I think when you saw the level of competition, here at this meet, it was definitely, I think, higher than we had seen in years past. And I didn't, I don't think I actually competed in Al Owens last year. Or no, yes, I did in the 5K. It was a, such a long time ago. Um, but there was more heats, I think, more competitive competition um, in those um, those events that this last Friday at Allen's and there was a year ago is what I'm trying to say. So there's better competition there. Uh, and it definitely was on display. Uh, I mean, you saw a lot of PRs, Donis Harris, Noah Griffith did some damage in the 1500, both PRs there, 353 through 57 respectively. Um, as well as Dan Hardesty, my buddy made his debut in the 800, did some damage 157. He ran Dang. 13th overall in the meet. That's a PR for him as well as some really good performances. Also in the throws department, Kyle Driard, sixth overall in the hammer throw as well as Aiden McGuire eighth in the disc yes Aiden's really coming along shout out for him as well coming on the show just a little while back as well uh women's side Nia Tyron runner up 400 meters again really good time I believe almost nearly matched the time um from yeah. Bucknell um in that invite me yeah we were trying to like reach across the table audio medium obviously took that away but <laughs> um Claudia Wilkinson fifth in the high jump she's continuing to compete very well. Emma Stefan, sixth in the hammer throw invite section, as well as Brie Copley, fifth in the invite section of discus. Uh, Whitney Farrell, seventh in the steeplechase as well, continuing her dominance across the barriers. Blenny Strauss, 1,500. She placed eight, or wait, no, that was definitely the 5K. Uh, that was misread on the recap. Gosh darn it, guys. What are we What are we doing here? <laughs> anyway, I'm just kidding. I was actually probably me that wrote this article. Nah, just kidding. That's also false. Uh, but anyway, fifth, uh, eighth in the 5K with a PR time, so congrats, Melina, as well, uh, as some other great performances um, across the board. From Calvis, who can't get through all of them um, because, yes, we'd be here for pretty much hours, but still, really good performances. It was nice weather. It was a little bit colder. Um, definitely, definitely good performances to go into this tune-up weekend because, uh, I mean, we were facing quite a few uh, conference opponents as well as some regional teams that will simulate the conference opponents as well, so uh, definitely just being able to see the styles, especially of racing, and obviously you can see some competitors that um, can throw, jump, and sprint very far. Uh, so I think when it came down to this weekend, 
it was a really good statement weekend, especially for a lot of us being versatile because a lot of us, especially like myself, I was running the 15 and the 800, both I got PRs. So I was definitely happy with that. Um, but you got to see a lot of these other, uh, a lot of these other guys competing in events. They're not accustomed to competing. in. a lot of them went down in distance or even went up in distance um, to something that they hadn't ran before. And they were still running PRs um, in this season, even though they hadn't ran it at all in seasons prior or yeah. even races prior from indoor. So I think that just shows you the versatility that's starting to come with the speed that we've built and the strengths um, and just a lot of really good, really good times, really good jumps, really good marks for being in competitions and events that we hadn't been accustomed to. So I think that's showing the versatility of this team. And I think that's something that's going to really look forward here upcoming to this weekend, Davenport or Grand Valley. We'll stay tuned on Thursday to hear the deets on where everyone's going because there could be a possibility of a split squad. Still trying to figure that out. That's the insider information that is not quite confirmed. Are they going to split it up, men and women's? No. It'll, is it more of like a... It'll probably be performance-based. Oh, so like an invite type deal? Mm -hmm. Yes, because Grand Valley is hosting a meet that is simulating another meet that's usually held in Hillsdale that they can't host because their track got flooded and now needs repairs. Right, so, like so Northwood a couple years ago. Yes, exactly. So it'll be determined based off of who makes in where, how many make in what, who goes where, yada, yada, yada. We got to figure out entries and stuff, which I think that's all going to be due Wednesday. So we yeah. should find out by Thursday on the show who's going where and how many great performances are going to be had because there's going to be a lot of good ones. I can tell you that on Tuna because we got Gleax coming up. You're real soon. Yeah. Good well, stuff. Is it one week? Two weeks? It'll be one week from Thursday. Dang. You got yeah. Dang, you'll be really rocking it. Yeah, we're in the home stretch, man. I mean, I'm feeling it just with finals, let alone I was going to say, you got three, four, five. Are you walking at graduation this year? Yeah. Dang, you got three, four, five in the day after you walking. Yep. Dang. It's going to be a busy week. It is, dude. Buckle your seatbelt. Strap in. Buckle up. It's going to be fast. Yes, sir. Speaking of fast... Not a great I was going to say, that's a second fast. <laughs> that transition. was a bad one. Anyway, spring football, Joe was there. I was there. That's he witnessed the greatness. I heard a lot of scoring. Obviously, the yeah. spring format is a little, a little bit different, different, but a I lot of scoring. Like, if you get three and out, the defense gets a point or something like that, and then it's like a first down, you get a point, like an interception or a turnover. Whoever forced it got like it's like 10 more points. So it's like 45 to 33 or something like that. So it was pretty entertaining. It was a really solid uh, event with everybody there, especially seeing how, you know, the community was honestly out in a pretty big number. I wasn't expecting as many people there was, but obviously at halftime, they usually try to get all the uh, athletic teams kind of involved. So they did a big like crossing with, uh, it was an obstacle course with, so with both basketball teams. And then soccer took on men's basketball in a field goal kicking competition. And I think it was Brindley. Well, yeah, Brindley, I think it was, or somebody was hitting like 30 yard field goals. Jeez. Easy. Yeah. Jimmy, and I, I think Jimmy hit like a 40 yard or something. Like that. I did he, see that Bella was there as well, who was a former high school kicker, actually. Yeah, found that Bella out when I was yeah. doing a story about her uh, in the Ferris State Torch, which you can read that online. Yeah, as she well, was so. dialed in. Yeah. They were, they were kicking it real well. But yeah, it, it just, was, just sounds like Bronx was taking L's this weekend. Yeah, it was a, it was tough. <laughs> this last it week, was tough he's looks L's. For Bronx. It was tough looks for Bronx. But <laughs> it looked like a really good time. I mean, everybody was really enjoying themselves. I mean, but. Football is looking pretty solid. I mean, a lot of people uh, kind of saying that if we're going to be as good as we were last year, especially our defense wise. But I think still think we're going to it'll probably flip flop like it was, you know, two years ago when we won the national championship. How our offense was just bar none, like second to none to anybody. And then obviously a flip flop. So I'm interested to see kind of what we're more heavy on. 
But offensive-wise, I think we're going to be pretty solid. Defensive-wise, we're really good. We basically got our whole receiving core coming back with Tyrese, Xavier Wade. Who else is there? Uh, OB. We got a lot of guys who are going to be able to kind of make a return and be able to make some noise. So very excited for uh, fall time. Always going to be super exciting counting down the days till we play. I think it's Mercyhurst, the first game, because yes. Finley don't want to play us no more. That Boo. first game. Yeah. Finley, come yeah, on, man. I know, right? It's, That's uh, a long tenure rivalry, too. I know. Well, because it was like a big GLIAC thing for the longest time. Yeah. It was always we'd play each other first week, and we would be always pretty close or whatever, but. Yeah, and we're like, no, nah, I don't want to do that no more. Do have big tests, though, week three, Montana, going over there to play D1. That's going to be fun. Oh, yeah, that is true. I think our, yeah, because what is it? We have Montana, then we have a bye, and then we have, uh, like, homecoming right after yeah, that. Yeah, Northern Michigan. Like our yeah. first game is homecoming, which yeah. is wild. And I think we have uh, American International as well. Yeah. Was also some really weird teams are playing this year. It is different. This upcoming year. But I know American International is playing Grand Valley as well. So I think they just wanted to play two yeah. Gliac teams, well, which is fair. Year, they've got Makes rolled. Sense. They're a good team too. So it's going to be pretty good competition. So yeah. looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. was all right though. Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious to see. Obviously, you mentioned the offensive firepower we had in 21, 22 last year. We relied on the defense. We see complementary football this year. We see a little bit. Uh, game by game dependent where we might be all really hot offensively and then really shut down defensively. It'll be very interesting because I think when you look at this year compared to the other couple of years um, that we just mentioned really going off of that, I mean, there's not necessarily one side that's like glaringly better than the other. Yeah. And I think that's going to be really interesting to see how that progresses in season. And obviously we just need to stay off the injury report. That's one of the biggest things that really hurt our offense last year, honestly, was our starting quarterback ends up getting hurt. Receiver group just gets wiped out, and a lot of our O-line were banged up. So that's All just... defense, man. That really it was really that. defense. So I'm really hoping that we can get everybody back healthy throughout the entire season and put together a really good campaign this year because I think we can do some damage again. Repeat? I'm hoping so. Repeat? I would love to go back to Texas. I would love to go back to Texas as well. I would prefer, please, to get on the plane, though. Yeah. That's all I ask. I think Gleak's also going to change up a little bit this year because Grand Valley's probably going to go through a little bit of a culture change with the new head coach. You know, a lot of new head coaches. Yeah, Wayne there. State got, who was it? The NFL guy. Uh, what's his name? Oh, yeah, I forgot his name. I forgot well. his name. I'll but Google to be able here. to have some NFL experience on that coaching staff, I think they're going to be able to pick up a lot. I know they got a lot of transfers from Saginaw Valley already and Grand Valley once Mitchell said he was leaving. So that's going to be interesting how kind of they play out. And obviously, Saginaw Valley was really starting to be on the come up. So I'm excited to see what they do. But I think the Gleak's going to be a lot closer than it was these past two years. I don't think it's just going to be us in Grand Valley kind of running the table. I think Saginaw Valley is probably going to make some noise. Uh, I mean, which they usually do. It's usually a pretty close game between uh, between us each year. But I'm very excited to see what we're able to do this year, especially going to Montana, what that's going to be like. Because I have a feeling that it could either go really well where we get an upset or we might just get rolled. I don't know. Yeah, it would be very interesting. It'll be very interesting to say the least. We look forward to it. We got to pack the pound this year, y'all. It's going to be fun for sure. I believe season tickets are still available at fairstatebulldogs.com. Well, for more information for more. Anyway, that's going to do it for Fair State Sports. I know it's a really short segment today, but I uh, got some more to cover. NFL draft coming up after this here on the MBSP. Finishing out the show here on the MVSP, we're going mock draft style. Not a full first round, little mini snippet, you can call it just a little taste of a mock draft. We're going to go the first 10 picks. Me and Joe will alternate. Joe has elected to take the odds, and I will take the evens. 
of each team. So we'll obviously make our selection. The opposing will make their counter argument. And then we'll kind of get into some sleepers and some mm-hmm. picks specifically. It'll uh, be a little bit really more both of us do a 10 thing is really what it is. Yeah. But our pick is final for what is the draft. Yeah, this is actually the NFL draft. Yeah, this is actually the NFL draft. So uh, if all the NFL GMs are listening, then you guys have to listen. Yes. So like, uh, bet on bet on this if you're going to do a parlay here. Bet on this. So Number anyway, one. With the first pick, Joe. The pick is in. Clean. Yeah, it's clean. I like that. I like that. So I'll use soundboard there. Carolina Panthers, first pick of the 2023 NFL draft, are going to select Bryce Young, quarterback, out of Alabama. Okay, there you go. So I mean, Re- oh, give your reasoning. Give your reasoning. Go ahead. So the reason being is being a quarterback in the SEC is the hardest thing in all of college football. You can say a defensive player in the Big Ten or something like that, or a defensive player in the SEC. It doesn't matter if you're a quarterback, and especially a quarterback at Alabama, you know to be able to have that type of ability is just bar none. And especially with him being able on that cognitive test or whatever it is that they had to take him getting a 98, one of the highest ones that we've seen in the past recent years, you know, he's going to be able to really do well with assimilating into that NFL culture. Not only that really strong, I'm really strong arm, really accurate. He's athletic. And I think that's going to be able to do pretty solid numbers because Panthers really haven't had a type of quarterback that has this type of ability ever since Cam Newton and his last couple of years, because what you get Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, those guys can't really have the same. Those guys don't have the same really skill set, skill set as Bryce Young. And I think he's definitely going to be one of these quarterbacks who's definitely, who's probably going to make the quickest change to the NFL. Yeah. I really like that. He's pick. Small, but yeah, I think definitely it's Bryce or CJ first overall. Yeah, I think really that's a pretty much consensus. Uh, but I think Bryce Young is IQ is what makes him elite, even though everyone's going to be doubting his height, his size, Uh, He's got the IQ to make up for. He's a very good, accurate thrower. He's a very anticipatory thrower. He knows exactly when to put it on, and he's really good with timing. So I think that's naturally a good pick. Uh, The second pick going to the Houston Texans. I think is going to be an interesting one. I feel like Colin Cowherd you know, when we're playing sounds not sound. copyrighted. Yeah, I mean, uh, I might be doing on that one. <laughs> yeah, anyway, on it's this. too freaking fun. I mean, we're GMs, Joe. We can have fun That's with true. this. Yeah, uh, anyway, I think that there's really no other way that you could have this go. Um, but picking CJ Stroud in this situation, even though I want to be different, uh, I think I know what Joe's idea this is. This is chalk, though. These first two. That's I think so. And I think every when, single when you look at CJ Stroud, obviously the number one thing that has popped up in recent memory is he is not necessarily the best IQ quarterback in this draft. He was scored pretty low on his tests um, when it came to the intelligent test. I don't know if they took the wonder lick. I know they took the other one. Um, and he scored one of the lowest of all the quarterbacks in the draft as a whole. Um, it's also one of the lowest in history. Yeah, like it's not great. But here's the thing, like all, a lot of these quarterbacks, you're going to be very smart. We're, we have a lot of good intelligent quarterbacks who we've seen years drafts that stu- like they still haven't panned out. And there's been some that are susceptible to learning new schemes at a really yeah. high level. And I think CJ Stroud could be that guy because he has everything that you're looking for out of an arm talent, right? He's got the strength. He's got the arm power. He can throw it 55, 80 yards down the field, even if he really wants to. I bet he could touch probably in the 70s to 80s range. Um, but I think with him also as a dual threat guy, I mean, he can move out of the pocket. We've seen him when he played against Michigan, uh, that he can do that. And I think his ability to recognize blitzes can definitely improve. And I think that football IQ will obviously learn uh, later on, and I think he'll get more of an accurate statement of the game. Some people are saying he's the next just Jamarcus Russell. 
I don't necessarily see that because he's a hard worker than Jamarcus Russell was. That He was just naturally talented. But I'm going to go with C.J. Stroud here with the number two Respect. pick, and we'll keep this moving now yeah. to pick number three. I was going to say, I think everybody and their mother is probably going to choose Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, at least top two. It's going to be Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, but I think I saw maybe one mock draft that had him flip-flop, but... Yeah. I think those are probably going to be the chalk ones of our little mock draft here. Probably. I've heard Will Levis also is a possibility at two, but I don't know. I'm just Number not sure about Will Levis. Number three. Number three. I don't know who. I. That's the thing. Cardinals are so bad right now with just whatever they have because, I mean, what is it? I think it was uh, Uda Baker wants out. You have Kyler, who's too focused on playing video games all the time. <laughs> but I think, really, you probably just got to get something with – Something with a with defense there, so you gotta probably just go with the edge rusher because their defense has been pretty lackluster. I'm gonna go with Will Anderson Jr. Okay, there you go. Mm-hmm. I mean, what else would you? Guy, yeah, I mean, he, he just he fits he's everything. Six three, two hundred fifty pound ball of muscle is yeah. what he is. He's a freak in nature. Yeah, okay. he's somebody that I really hope that the Lions could go down and hopefully could fall yeah, down. If and- he falls to six, that would be a pretty solid spot. But that's the one thing is uh, for him. Especially with Alabama's defense, it was a little, I feel like it was a little bit lacking this year compared to the last couple of years. It's nothing like it was like it really didn't couldn't rival Georgia or anything like that. But I think you're gonna see him be pretty solid just with his size and his ability because Alabama guys can always transfer uh, to to the league. So you're gonna be in a pretty solid spot with him. But this one's pretty chalk seeing that Cardinals need a lot of stuff and might as well just start on the defense. Yeah, I mean, this could be a situation where they might trade out and try to double down because, like you, like you said, Joe, yeah. Arizona needs a lot. They they could they could use this pick as leverage to maybe pick up somebody in a, uh, through trade or free agency or something like that, or they could try to you know draft. It's going to be interesting to see what they do because they're in the early stages of the rebuild now. So Cardinals fans are going to be struggling for the next few years, I bet. Cardinals fans, I think, will definitely be struggling to just find a sense of hope. It kind yeah. of, it seems... Welcome to the club, Cardinals fans. Yeah, I was about to say, we've, we were there. We're not anymore. So, thankfully, they can enjoy that, you know, by themselves. Pick number four on the list here. The Colts have the fourth selection, and I think it's pretty obvious we're going to see probably a quarterback go to the Colts. I have seen a couple things pop up here that they would even consider trading up to two to potentially take C.J. Stroud. I don't necessarily know if that's the case. I think this is a position where the Colts probably could feel comfortable as long as nothing gets too crazy with that third pick. Because if Arizona is going to try to trade out of it, you've got a couple teams that could potentially trade up down the list that are quarterback-needy teams, some that come to mind, uh, the Raiders potentially, maybe even the Falcons if they have a change of heart. Um, the Washington Commanders could definitely be looking at a quarterback. The Buccaneers could be looking at a quarterback. Will they all trade up to the first round? We don't know. But in this case, as is, without trades in this draft, if they're going to pick a quarterback, it's pretty obvious that the next quarterback on the board would probably be Will Levis in this situation. And that is why I'm going to not take him. Are you no, kidding me? No, no, sir. No, no sir. It's going to be the man, the myth, the legend, Anthony Anderson uh, going Richardson. at this pick. Anthony Anderson now. Anthony Richardson is his name. I just totally bonked that yeah, myself. You're good, man. Anyway, Anthony Richardson. Anthony Anderson. Isn't that an actor? I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's an actor. Up. Anyway. Uh, Anthony Richardson, that is the quarterback from Florida. Yes, I do know his name, I promise. It's just been a long morning. 
He, he is, is a guy that Anthony Anderson is. It is. Isn't he in like Blackish or yeah. something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. I was thinking of. I don't know why I mistaken him for that. But anyway, Anthony Richardson, the quarterback, for the third time at freak athlete, potential is through the roof. He has the ability to be an incredible quarterback. He's very, very raw, and I think that's why it brings him so much allure in this spot because when you look at some guys in the past that have been really raw and have been in positions where they've really kind of found their way to becoming good quarterbacks, Josh Allen from Wyoming. How about Patrick Mahomes? We went number 10 from Texas Tech. Those guys were all not necessarily the fundamentally like perfect like perfect candidates, perfect recruits, perfect draft picks, perfect prospects, but they were pretty much in the position where they had all the intangibles that they, or excuse me, they had all the tangibles to learn the intangibles. And I think that's a position where we could see Anthony Anderson. I think the allure is way, way too high for any team to pass up, especially the Colts in their position. I think they take Anthony Richardson at number four. I think he's going to be the flyer in this year's draft, and he could definitely be the third quarterback or even second quarterback taken on the board. Yeah, I believe that, Uh, especially seeing that with the Colts, their, their QB room is just, could be good, could be not good. Because you got Minshew, you got Foles, you got Ellinger right now. If you're going to get Richardson, you're probably going to release Ellinger because he didn't really play too well. And the ones that he did get. The one problem is I just don't know who he can learn from in this type of situation. And that's the one thing. He's, like you said, he's raw. So, like, you definitely want to be able to cater him to be a good quarterback. But that's the thing is I don't really see anybody in this quarterback room that they have that can be a good teacher. You got Nick Foles who won uh, who won a – Super Bowl, but still he played second fiddle to Matt to Matty Ice. And then you got Gardner Minshew who's been kind of on and off with what he's been able to do. I like it a lot. It's either probably gonna be Richardson or Levis that goes. They both have incredible arm talent. Richardson is definitely gonna be the one if they want to make their offense more versatile and not just a pass heavy, as well as have Jonathan Taylor. That's gonna be the one thing. So I think if they take Richardson, it'll make it a lot more of a two way offense rather than more yeah. one dimensional. I could definitely see Will Levis going in this spot, but uh, I've been fading Will Levis uh, based on the, some of the tape that I've seen. So that's yeah. just my personal opinion, and that's why we have our own draft here. Respect. Yo. Respect to the boys. Number five. Number five. Old old Seahawks. What do we want to do? Another one where we got to kind of go a little bit heavy with defense. Uh, just, just whatever they need, especially. I mean, you got Geno. He ain't right back. So their offense has been pretty solid so far. Uh, I'm gonna, This one's kind of chalk because a lot of people are saying it's either going to be Tyree Wilson or Jalen Carter. I'm going to go with Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech because it's just how I'm feeling right now. Whoa. It could either go either way. Is what it is. Tyree Wilson is probably going to be a top 10 pick. That's really no doubt about it. He's been, he's just a massive guy. He's really strong. That's the thing too is he's got a lot of athleticism for him because he has incredible acceleration off the, off the jump. He's been really solid with getting around pass blockers or sorry, uh, run blockers. And he's been able to pressure the offense pretty well, especially being uh, in the, what is it? The big 12 Texas tech is in not the greatest conference these past few, these past few years, but it's still one where you're playing some really high level competition. You got Kansas, Kansas state who played really solid at TCU. You got a lot of schools who show can show a player what they need to work on and give a player what potential that needs to be seen for potential uh, potential teams that want to draft him. I think Tyree Wilson is going to do really solid with, with, he, with what he's been able to do. Wow, I like this pick because Tyree Wilson's very raw, and I think that's a really interesting position for oh. the Seahawks to be in. And, I mean, they could, like, 
anybody can use help on the defensive line. Pass rush is one of the most important elements of the game now for how heavy the quarterback position is utilized. Number six, the one that everybody has been the waiting lines. for. Oh, boy. What are you going to take? Who am I going to take? This is a tough spot because I think Tyree Wilson would have been my pick at six, assuming you would have taken the number four guy in Jalen Carter. Now, I think Jalen Carter in this situation would definitely be probably the consensus pick, but we're not a consensus show. We're, we're our own show. And as much as I really think, I think there's two guys here that you can potentially go after at the cornerback position for the Lions. It's Devin Witherspoon or it's Christian Gonzalez. And I think at the number six spot, this would be an interesting position for the Lions because I think that in this position, they would probably be apt to take Jalen Carter, but I'm going to go a different route. And I'm going to say that they are going to not take necessarily the number one corner on the board, but I think they're going to take Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois. I like that. And the reason why is Devin Witherspoon is a guy that obviously we've had success with Illinois defensive backs already. They've been coached very, very well with Bionema. Obviously, Kirby Joseph owns Aaron Rodgers, and we love that. So why not get another Illinois guy? But the biggest thing is Aaron Glenn likes man defense. He loves man defense. And that's where we got exploited because what did Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn give us? Zone defense. And that's why our defense stunk when we took that over. But here's the thing. Devin Witherspoon is a man-to-man guy. He's a one-on-one, put him on an island, let me make plays. And that is what I think really gets him the the little bit of the uppage over Christian Gonzalez. I think Devin Witherspoon's a dog. He'll obviously have that uh, that relationship with Kirby Joseph. I think that just makes it a really interesting pick, and that'll really shake up the draft board at least a little bit here, seeing Devin Witherspoon now is the Detroit Lions. Yeah. He's kind of falling under the radar a little bit because you heard, <clears throat> excuse me, you heard a little bit about him from last year's, uh, his performance last year as well. And I mean, I don't think he got selected to any like pro senior bowls at all, even though he earned, what was it? He didn't, he had like one of the best seasons in the big 10. And I don't even think he won big 10 defensive player in the year. Cause so no. many people, he said he was getting snubbed from it. So I think, especially for him, he's a little bit undersized, but I definitely like that pick because, uh, what he lacks in size, I think he's going to really make up for in talent and just pure athletic ability. So we'll see where he goes with that. All right. It's so tough, dude. I was going to take him. No, it's okay. Uh, that's unfortunate. Okay. Let's go. Oakland Raiders. Whoa, Oakland. Can <laughs> you say Oakland? Sorry. I was just yeah, sorry. I, Vegas. Dude, I'm. No, no, no. You're good. I did that purposefully because I know there's a listener out there that is a Raiders <laughs> fan, and I just wanted to make sure that Shout you heard him Oakland. say that because we had an argument about this last night. Canary, I know you're listening, Shout out and Oakland, I know man. that you just heard that. So that's I just the thing. Is if make I sure. say if I say the wrong thing now, Canary's gonna say something to you, and then you're gonna say something to me for. Next oh, don't show. worry. I'll take care of that uh, argument. We, we're we're good. That's the thing. I that's, I was not paying attention too much to uh, Vegas to see what they needed. That's the thing because they could either go either way whether they want to take like a corner or something like that, or they want to take an offensive tackle. I don't know, man, to be really honest with you. I'm just going to go with the first name that comes to mind here. I'll go Paris Johnson Jr. Whoa. Okay. I like it. I mean, you look at their offensive line. It's good, but it's not great. They can do better. And especially now, because who's their quarterback now? Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy G. They need... Somebody to protect him because he is not going to be a scrambler at all. I think with him, he's been not with uh, Jimmy G, but with Paris Johnson. I mean, 
for him to be at Ohio State, to be able to protect uh, C.J. Stroud for these past few years, of course, C.J. Stroud is one of the more mobile quarterbacks in the Big Ten and in the country, but for him to be able to make it so way, it was a rarity to see him sacked. He did struggle against Michigan. I don't think he struggled against Michigan. I know the O-line kind of like collectively for Ohio State struggled against Michigan, but for him, he was really solid during that game. Um, I just think... Too. When he gets on you, he's not going to let you go. He's not going to let you get around. He just got that ability to keep in front of you and be able to kind of really negate any type of pressure that's going to be coming his way. So I think for him, especially for if you want to try to protect Jimmy G, who's been a little bit injury ridden these past few years, and as well as he's not as mobile as he once was, I think you're going to be able to get him a lot of time in the pocket if you take Paris Johnson Jr. Okay, there you go. Paris Johnson Jr. is now... A Las Vegas Raider. What a yeah. pick, Joe. I Good like you, that. Paris Johnson. Hopefully you're listening so that way you can pack your bag to Vegas already. There you go. Number eight. I mean, I'm going to waste no time. If the Falcons can find a way to pair Calais Campbell and Grady Jarrett to one Jalen Carter, they're going to take that 90% of the time. I mean, that's a slam dunk pick for them. They'll definitely look past what they've seen. Obviously, the... The reports about is he going to be in fit shape? Is he actually like committed to the game and whatnot? So I think that it's going to, I mean, it's an obvious pick. If he falls that far, Falcons are going to take him. Best player available would be a top five player in the draft if it wasn't for some of that crap that he's dealt with already. Uh, and just it's frankly, he's a good football player, and that's what you want. And I think that with the big boys up front there in the in the A-town, I mean, he'll fit right in. I mean, he's going to be staying right there in Georgia, and he's going to be wreaking havoc for the Falcons in those gradient uniforms next year. Yeah, for sure. I believe it. Okay. Number nine, the Bears. The Bears. If the Bears are lacking one thing, it's a defensive front. Let me tell you what. Their offense has been pretty solid. You got Justin Fields, who was setting the record for most offensive or most rush or yeah, most rushes for a quarterback with his rush yard capabilities. It's just a defense that's got to step up a little bit. Seeing that they're what three and thirteen, three and fourteen this year. Not great. Not great at all. So I think I'm gonna go with. I think a consensus pick for a lot of people. Uh, he's basically the one that is kind of next on the depth chart for defense. I'm going to go Miles Murphy. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, if you look at him, he's been pretty solid. He has a bit. I mean, Clemson and the ACC for football has not always been like the greatest. Clemson has kind of fallen off a little bit ever since they don't got Trevor Lawrence no more. So that's kind of the tough part about it. But I think when you look at Clemson's defense, they've been pretty solid. He's able to be able to make through. He's able to also look for windows throughout. So he's going to be our windows of kind of open. And I think he's going to be pretty solid. Honestly, give him a chance. You could kind of see a kind of a hunter or a, not hunter Dickinson, <laughs> uh, uh, Aiden Hutchinson type situation from where he, he might struggle at first. Uh, these first couple games might get a solid spot, but I think once you see him, if he's able to make that starting roster or even just uh a little bit, you know, second string. I think you're going to see him in one or two years be really solid. I cannot believe that you just said that. Dude, I that's <laughs> that a, pro- a I have a problem with that all the time. That I is, say no, I say Hunter Dickinson instead of Aiden Hutchinson all the that time. That is hysterical, but no, I think that's a pretty solid pick here. Uh, I think when you look at there, they have a lot of needs. I think offensive line would have probably been the other position you could have went there, especially seeing that Broderick Jones still on the board or even Peter yeah. Skaronsky. They, they really could have gone inside. either way. They need front. They need help on the fronts on both yeah, sides. Yeah, so I think that either either side of the line of scrimmage on the line, I think, is going to be a good pick. Number 10 here. We'll speed this up here so we don't keep you guys too late here with the Eagles. Um, they need help on defense, uh, and I think the biggest thing 
um, for them is I think when they see the board, I think they're going to be happy to take Christian Gonzalez in this situation just because the fact is I think that there's a really intriguing pick that I'll get here in just a minute, but um, the ability that Gonzalez has, he's a baller. um, He's a guy that's quick. He's a guy that can make a lot of plays, and I think his length is what really sets him apart in this draft. So I think that they'll be certainly happy to bolster that room um, for that pass defense that they could certainly see some help with here going through the rest of this next season, trying to get back to the Super Bowl. So I think Christian Gonzalez would be a consensus pick. One fun pick that I would love to see here, if especially if they're needing a running back, is taking Bijan. Him with Jalen. My gosh. Oh, boy. That would be nice. Look out. That would be wild. Yeah, That's so. going to be it for the 10. Honestly, <clears throat> where are some other? You got some hot takes for this draft? You have some hot takes. For I got. This I know. I got one. Oh yeah. What's yours? Will Levis is dropping out of the first round. Wow, that's a big one. That's a big one. I feel like he's putting on the charade that Zach Wilson did, where like he's just showing off the arm talent, just for distance, really. And that it's gonna be like that. Ever since that kind of happened with Zach Wilson, I feel like teams are a little bit wary to just go off a of tape. They actually gotta see him in person. Okay. I like that. I think, I think, yep, you know what? That's, that's big enough for the buzzer. I think that's a big enough for the buzzer. Will Levis out of the first round. And as much as I can't stand some of the things that Will Levis does on tape, I think he is a good first round talent. So I think that is a hot take going out of there. So if I had a a hot take here in the situation, um, I would say that the biggest thing I would say that not a lot of people are talking about I think we could see three offensive linemen go in the top 10. I think that nobody has done that in a lot of the mock drafts that I've seen. So I think that there's a real good chance that Skronsky, Broderick Jones, and Paris Johnson that, all go in the top 10. So I think that's the one that I would go I with that. in that situation. That. But I think it'll be very interesting. Some of the picks that I know I'm going to be watching here, I know you have a couple as well, Joe. Uh, obviously, number 18, duh. Whatever the Lions do at six is going to really put a interesting spin on what 18 is. We've already heard they've tried to move around here in this draft. So, but I think one of the biggest ones that I'm going to be looking at, and I think Joe also has this one on his list is number 19. What Tampa Bay is going to do. Cause yeah, they got to make some decisions. Are they going to try to get a little bit defense? Cause I know a lot of their, a lot of the guys they locked up from when Brady was there in that Super Bowl winning season, their contracts are up or they just want to get out. So I've seen a lot of uh, mock drafts. I've seen a few, mock, I wouldn't say a lot. I've see, seen a few mock drafts that say Hendon Hooker might be going there, but oh. you already got Kyle Trask as your backup. So are you going to ah. just keep him as a career backup and keep that in your back pocket? Or what are you going to do with that? Hendon Hooker is a big one. You got to watch out for, for this draft. He has a very real possibility of dropping out of the first round, even going late second. Yeah. I feel like just because the season was cut so short, he had a lot of glimpses of being really solid. But again, you know, when you get injured and stuff like that, especially a big injury, it's not always going to be easiest to come back from. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think he could be like really late first round. Whoa, that one's bold. I yeah. like that one. I, I feel f- like it. I have one, actually one that I've heard with Jackson Smith and Jigba is that he goes 12 with Stroud to Houston together. Ooh, that, that one would actually. Be intriguing. That could, I like that. That would not be a terrible idea for Houston to do that. Yeah. One other pick that I'm going to be watching um, intently, oh, especially being a One Pride fan, 15. I want to see if Green Bay actually has the guts to take an offensive player because they're in the perfect position to do so. And I think anything else would be frowned upon in this situation. This is pretty much the all or nothing when it comes to trying to figure out their situation, especially there in Rodgers. But Jordan loves your quarterback, so they don't need to worry about a quarterback. But I'm I'm very happy though because this draft this year is once again like I'm not happy, but like it's just always interesting to see like how drafts are always like evolving because 
last year what was it? it was a very last year or two years ago super heavy wide receiver draft. Yep, I think it was super heavy wide receiver draft two three years ago when uh, Justin Fields was that last year or two years ago? That would have been two years ago. The court, last the, year the quarterback was, draft. Yeah, that would have been that was yeah Fields yeah uh, Fields Wilson, Wilson all those guys. Yep. This year seems a little bit more like offensive tackle, like offensive line guys are going to kind of be filling up this first round. But also, you might see some defensive players go on as well. So it's always going to be interesting to see. Is it going to be spread out, or is it going to be more of kind of tunnel visioned on one single position? Yeah, I think it'll be very interesting. Draft is here, y'all. Thursday. Going to be where the fun goes down. Thank you all for tuning in to this extended episode. Be sure to subscribe at the MVSP on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and more, as well as follow along on social media at the MVSP. For everything that comes with this show. Right, Joe? Yeah. 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 There we go. But until next time. Take care, everybody.